0: So good. Thank you, Shane Tyus, for being willing to be that person that uh, would speak about what Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection mean for us today. We're going to continue with our sermon series that's taking uh, that has taken what Shane has said and looking at it in even more detail. Um, we focused on every aspect of Jesus' life, but we have not addressed the resurrection, but we get to today. And for that reason, I am extremely excited. Um, I'm going to read to you um, Luke 24, 1 through 11. So let me read this passage to you. It's it's one of the accounts of Jesus' resurrection. And then we're going to consider some things. So check this out. Luke 24. 1 through 11. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified in the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene. Joanna, Mary, the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles and their words seemed to them like idle tales and they did not believe them. So um, what did Jesus accomplish in his resurrection? Here's the big idea that I want to communicate to all of you this morning. Through Jesus's resurrection, God unleashed his resurrection power into the world. Now. Uh, Under that big idea, there are four truths that I also want to communicate to you, which are the power of evil is no match for God's resurrection power. Jesus earned resurrection power. Through repentance and faith in Jesus, we can experience resurrection. And resurrection is both a future promise and a present reality. So let's look at this first point. The power of evil is no match for God's resurrection power. When you think of Jesus' arrest and his trial and his crucifixion, um, and you meditate on that, what you find is that those events were were the absolute worst of what evil can do. Um, Jesus, who was flawless, experienced the greatest miscarriage of justice the history of the world has ever seen. Nobody was more deserving of reward than Jesus, and yet he was brutally and unfairly punished. No one was ever so worthy of honor, and yet he was so publicly humiliated, embarrassed, and shamed. No person ever before and ever since was so full of love and compassion and mercy, and yet was treated with such hatred and brutality. And so when you think about who Jesus was and then how he was treated, you realize that this was evil, throwing its best punch at Jesus. However, and to me this is so amazing, little did evil know that as it was throwing its best punch at Jesus and was thinking that it was destroying God's power in Jesus, it was actually revealing and broadcasting God's power over evil. That's actually what was happening because when Jesus was raised from the dead, completely healed and whole, it was God proclaiming loudly and clearly, evil is no match for my resurrection power. This is, this is extraordinary and here's why. You know what this means for us today? There's no evil in here and there is no evil out there that God's resurrection power cannot overcome. No evil in here or out there is a match for it. Uh, Maybe you're thinking or you're listening online, you know, prove it. Well, when I was singing the songs that you just sang at our first service, there were these images of people in the room flashing in my mind. And I thought about the guy who was here at the first service that almost died from COVID. Almost died from COVID. Walking into this church for the first time since just getting back to work and growing stronger each day. God's resurrection power. I, I thought of the people that are enslaved or were enslaved in that grave of sexual addiction and drug addiction that I was looking at and how they're being raised to life through Christ's resurrection power. I looked at faces of marriages that have gone through hell and yet God resurrecting them to new life. I could keep going on. And I could just look at all your faces right now, and a lot of you, I know your story, and I could point out God's resurrection power at work. For those who turn to Jesus, there is no power, no evil power that God can't overcome. This is remarkable. Secondly, Jesus earned resurrection power. How did he earn resurrection power? And what does his res- resurrection power consist of? Let's look at that first one I'll- Jesus earned resurrection power. Have you ever thought, why did God raise Jesus from the dead? Out of all the people that have walked on planet Earth over the course of human history, why did God choose to resurrect Jesus? Well, Romans 6:23 states that the wages of sin is death, which implies that the opposite is true, right? What is the wage? of a perfect life. It's eternal life. That's what it is. And so, Jesus Hebrews 4:15 tells us was without sin. He was flawless, he was perfect. Never once in thought word or deed did Jesus sin. And so, what was his re- reward? Resurrection to life. Jesus earned it. His perfect life earned it. That's why Unlike every other person in human history who has sin, he didn't stay in the tomb. Acts 2.24, the apostle Peter makes that very point. He says, but God released, referring to Jesus, him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in his grip. What keeps a person in the grip of death? Sin does. Jesus had none. Death could not hold him. Now. That's how Jesus earned resurrection power. What did his resurrection power consist of? Well, it consisted of his own resurrection, which he was raised to new life in a resurrected, glorified body, never to experience decay and death again. That's part of what his resurrection power consisted of. Also, Ephesians 1, 20, tells us that Jesus, after his resurrection, he walked on the earth and revealed himself to hundreds of people for 40 days and then he was then he he was exalted to the right hand of the father in heaven and and god then gave him supreme authority ultimate authority over everything everywhere ultimate authority was another uh reward for jesus's perfect life over everything That's another thing that his resurrection power consisted of. A third thing that I want to mention to you is that Jesus' resurrection power consists of the ability to dispense that power to others. Acts 2.33 tells us that when Jesus was exalted to the right hand of the Father, the Father gave him the Holy Spirit to dispense to other people. Romans 8, tells us that the Holy Spirit is God's resurrection power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. This is remarkable. So Jesus' perfect life earned him, or earned that resurrection power that he can freely dispense. Now, the question then becomes, how can we experience resurrection? If Jesus has it, how do we get it from him? The answer is through repentance and faith. Peter, in, in the first sermon that he ever preached, he said to his audience in Acts 2.38, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Peter, he told his audience to repent. What, it, what does it mean to repent? Repentance is owning up to the fact that you are guilty of rejecting God. That you haven't loved him with all your heart. It is also owning up to the fact that you haven't loved others with the same intensity by which you love yourself. And it's truly being remorseful and sorrowful over those realities. That's what it means to repent. But Peter also said, don't just repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. What is baptism? And we're going to do this next Sunday and it's going to be amazing and you need to come back. But what are the people doing when they get baptized, they are publicly professing that they have entrusted their life to Jesus. That's what they're doing. More specifically, they are publicly proclaiming that I trust that Jesus lived the perfect life. I should have lived, but, but I couldn't. And he died the death that I deserved for not doing so in my place so that I could be forgiven and be accepted by God. That's what a person is publicly declaring in baptism. Now, Peter says that when a person repents and when they entrust their life to Jesus and baptism is that public declaration of that, they receive what? The gift of God's Holy Spirit, which is God's resurrection power. This is remarkable. Now, the question now becomes, what difference does the resurrection power in a person's life make? If it, 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 what, what does it make? What difference does it make? Well, that leads us to point number four. Resurrection is both a future promise and a present reality. How is resurrection a future promise? Well, let me tell you two things that are included in that resurrection as a future promise. One is a glorified, resurrected body. So 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that what God did to Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit in raising him to new life and giving him a glorious resurrected body, he is going to do the same thing to those who are in Christ through repentance and faith. 1 Corinthians 15 23 says, but each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits, after the afterward, those who are Christ that is coming. Christ is the beginning of God's resurrection power being unleashed in the world, and it will come to all of his people when he returns. Which means, if you are in Christ, you, your body, will be resurrected more glorious than it was before. Let me talk about the glory of your resurrected body. First Corinthians 15:42 through 44 says that it will be imperishable, so it will no longer be able to get sick, decay, and die. No more worrying about COVID or any other disease. It will be powerful, meaning it will no longer be subject to stress, fatigue, and weakness. It will be spiritual meaning that it will be in tune with God fully in alignment with him in thinking speaking and behaving it will be glorious meaning it will be beautiful attractive breathtaking that's why paul in romans 8:11 When he was thinking about the glory that is going to come to the person whose trust is in Christ, he says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. This is an astounding statement. And the reason it's so astounding is because the suffering in this world is so immense. And Paul was no exception to the suffering that this world has to offer. In fact, he suffered more than anybody else that I know has suffered. And I know a lot of people that have suffered greatly. But Paul is saying, the glory that's going to be revealed in those who are in Christ, you can even start to compare the suffering in this world with the immense glory that's going to come to them. That's why C.S. Lewis said, the dullest and most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which if you saw it now you would be strongly tempted to worship Mm. now what else does the future promise of resurrection consist of glorified resurrected body but also a resurrected glorified world Mm. i love this part so paul He says this in 1 Corinthians 15, after Jesus resurrects, after he returns and resurrects those who are united to him in faith, he says this, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. And then go to verse 28. Now, when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Um, That phrase, all in all, Paul uses it in his letters. And the commentators will tell you that what Paul means by this phrase is that, He's making the point that God's resurrection power will come to the whole sphere of creation so that there's not one square inch of the universe where God's will doesn't reign supreme. That's awesome. Or you could say, as Paul says in Romans 8, at last the creation itself, which is currently groaning under the weight of the curse of sin and death, it's going to be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of being ruled by God's children in such a way that it won't, God's children won't rule it so that they destroy it, but it will lead to its flourishing. You see, God's resurrection power that he unleashed with Jesus' resurrection was always, and it has, it was meant to spread to the entire world and is in the process of doing that. Now, so that's the promised future for those who are in Christ. But does that mean then we just have to merely kind of survive until Christ's return? Does that mean like we just have to struggle now to keep our head above water and just wait? No, because resurrection is also a present reality. This is huge. And that's why Paul could talk about, the future tense, talk about resurrection in the future tense, but also in the past tense. Let me give you an example. Colossians 3.1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. That is past tense. You were raised with Christ. All right Now, we are going to do a new sermon series on Uh, the the Holy Spirit and how it brings resurrection power in this lifetime to people who have it. Um, And we're going to be looking at the book of Acts and we'll give what I'm about to talk about here briefly, we'll give it a much fuller treatment in that sermon series so you need to come back for that. But let me just mention a few things of what the present reality of resurrection in the believer's life consists of. Heart, new spirit, new habits, new community, New purpose, new identity. And I already, when I was preaching this at the first service, thought of like two other things that I should have mentioned. And so this is not exhaustive. One being a new authority. We'll get to that in that new sermon series. So briefly look at these. New heart. The prophet Ezekiel, in Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six, he spoke about this time that was to come when God would take The stone hearts out of people and give them a heart transplant, replace that stone heart with a heart of flesh. And what Ezekiel was talking about is he would take a person's heart that's unresponsive to God, that's dead to God, and he would give them a heart that is responsive to God, alive to God, can actually know God, learn from him, and live in life-giving ways. If you are a Christian, you have this new heart. It's alive to God. You know, you now desire him. You now want to please him. You now want to seek him. If you don't, you probably don't have that new heart, right? New heart. Also, Ezekiel says that God would give his people a new spirit. And the New Testament, again, talks about the, the work of the, of the Holy Spirit in particular. But remember, the Holy Spirit, if you are a Christian, you have it. Because it comes to dwell in a person when they believe in Jesus. And you've got to remember, it's the exact same power that God created the world through and raised Jesus from the dead through. And so, this means, Christian, you are filled with an unrivaled, unmatched power to actually live a godly life. That your new heart now desires to live. Um, The image that came to my mind was a nuclear power plant. That's what you are as a believer. That's the kind, I mean, that power, you know, pales in comparison to the power that's in you. That's why the Apostle Peter, he said to uh, Christians that he was writing to 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Check this out. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Do you realize that through the spirit you have all things that you need for life and godliness? Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine Nature, Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. See, what happens is when you're given a new heart and a new spirit, guess what happens in your life? New habits. New habits. Because you have God's divine power pulsating through you. And so more and more, you naturally and automatically think and speak and act in ways that are according to God's divine nature. It's wonderful. What's more is you start to engage in habits that actually train you in godliness. Things like Bible reading and study and meditation. And as you do that, you find that it makes sense to you. When before it didn't, when you didn't have a new heart and a new spirit. It just the Bible just made it just confused you, but now it's starting to make sense. And you find those words precious and life-giving. If this is not true of you, you probably don't have a new heart yet. You also want to engage through God, engage with God through prayer. You want to talk to Him. You want to listen to Him. You want to come and you want to worship with God's people. That's another habit, corporate worship. Because you find when you're gathered with God's people, God is present in a very special way. And as you do it, you find yourself being transformed in the process. And as you engage in these habits, this is what happens. And I didn't, miss the, I didn't mention this at the last service, but I should have. We discover our worry being killed and resurrected as peace. We find our fears being killed and resurrected as courage. We find our hurts being killed and resurrected as healing and strength. We find our insecurities being filled and resurrected as security We find our discontentment being put in the grave and contentment rising up. We find hatred and bitterness being killed and buried. And in its place, we see forgiveness blossoming in us. New heart, new spirit, new habits, new community. Resurrection right now involves being resurrected into a new community. The body of Christ, the church. And what you find, if God's new heart is in you, you want to be with this new community. Is it always easy? No. Because we all have quirks and personality traits that can rub us the wrong way. But, despite that, you still desire to love and serve this new community. And you desire to be loved and served by it. And what you find, as you mutually serve one another, We all progress more and more to look more like the glory of Jesus. New purpose. Last thing I'll say with with this. So we're resurrected to a new purpose in this life. Our relationship when we are in Christ, it changes with the world. We become Christ's ambassador to it. We want other people to know Jesus' resurrection and the power of it. And so we are committed to sharing it with other people and calling people to turn in repentance to Jesus so that they can, in faith, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We also, because we know what future is, is coming, we know, that we know the future, we also look at our work differently and we think, man, how can I bring God's promised future into the present in a substantial way by how I do my work? by how I do my uh, education job, my, my uh, construction job, my teaching job, my coaching job, my accountant job, whatever it is, we want to be foretaste of the world that is to come in how we live and how we work and how we play and how we give, how we rest, our relationship to the world changes. So what am I describing here? New heart, new spirit, right? New habits, new community, new relationship to the world. What am I describing? I'm describing an entire new identity. That's what I'm describing. You see, what Jesus does currently in our life right now, it's not a little bit of patchwork to an already okay life. No. He totally kills the old way of life and he resurrects you to a completely new life that will culminate with God's you know, promised future. And that's why the Bible uses the metaphor born again, because it's such a drastic change that that's the best John could do to try and, to, try and describe it. It's like you're born again into a whole new life. So the power of evil is no match for god's resurrection power jesus earned resurrection power through repentance and faith in jesus we can experience resurrection resurrection is both a future promise and a present reality let me ask you is the power of christ's resurrection a present reality for you how do you know do you have a new heart that beats for god do you have a new spirit that's empowering you to live differently do you have new habits that are being formed in your life? Are you spending time, not just on Sunday morning, with God's people, right? Do you look at how you relate to the world differently and, and things are changing? That's how you know. If those things are true of you, you probably don't have it, but you can. Come in repentance, in faith, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, be raised to new life. And have the promise that the best is yet to come. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. That you are not a dead Savior. In fact, that's just a contradiction in terms. You are a Savior because you are living. You're alive. And you can raise us to new life. Now and in the future. Lord, I pray that if there is any person that is not experiencing your resurrection power, that they would turn to you in repentance. And that they would ask you to come in by the power of your Holy Spirit. And totally resurrect them to new life. Thank you so much, Jesus, that you are willing to do such extraordinary things to make that possible for us. It's in your precious name the resurrected King that we pray, amen.